I met my ex at a bar, but I met her dad at the beach. Sophia and I had been dating for a few months, and her parents invited me to join them on their family vacation. I was slightly nervous. When I start dating someone and meet her father, I usually anticipate two dad types in my head. It's either this snivelly Bond villain greeting like, So, you're dating my daughter, are you? Or Texas Longhorn Shatter Your Fingers handshake like, Mark, how the hell are you? I don't know why, but those are apparently the only two variations I prepare myself for when I'm meeting a partner's dad. With Sophia, I got to Coastal Carolina, and her dad Bill went in for the handshake, I went in for the hug. We met somewhere in between. He asked if I wanted to go to the grocery store to pick out some snacks. That was the most nerve-wracking part. I said I like combos. He said, yeah, let's get some of those. So we had combos, and we sat in the sand for the week. It was mellow. We had Christmases together, more beach trips. He gave me socks, a DVD of Near Dark, and lots of advice. He was disappointed that I decided not to go to grad school. He asked about my family. Both our dads died when we were young. I talked to him on the phone more than I talked to my own family. A few years later, his daughter and I broke up. I missed her terribly. I missed him terribly. But I felt like I couldn't do anything. Every time I imagined getting in touch with him, it felt like I was running the risk of being the ex that's lingering around or wanting to use the parents as a way to get information over to my ex. Like, oh, we talked to Mark and he seems so happy. Also, terrible strategy, by the way. Two years later, right around Valentine's Day, my phone buzzed and it was Bill. It had been a long time since we'd last had contact. He said something quick, but it was like, hey, we miss you and think of you often. I was like, oh God, I miss you too. But this is impossible. I can't be friends with my ex's dad. That would be weird, right? But what if? What if you could maintain a friendship with your ex's dad? What would that even be called? This is Mark Pagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need to Put Her There, Partner. As you do, I talked with my friends after my breakup. One of those friends was Dominique. She goes by Dom for short. For a few months, Dom listened to me talk about every single thing I needed to say about my ex. And I don't know if she did this to make me feel better, but during this long soliloquy, Dom shared her history about her ex, John. If I'm remembering right, I mentioned Sophia's dad and meeting him at the beach. And Dom laughed, saying, John fumbled when he greeted my dad. He wasn't sure what to do with the whole being French and kissing cheeks thing. Actually, 
You should talk to him about my dad. So I did. After some emails and planning, I found myself heading up to Portland, Maine, where John lives. Hey, how hey. you doing? Nice to meet you. Good to see you too. Come on in. You might be... Uh... He met Dom in London. He was studying there. I realize you can't see me do the air quotations when I say that. So, like, you know, you take an 18-year-old from a small town and say, here's London, but remember to study hard. (laughs) It's it's not going to happen, you know. It's just like all of the flesh pits and sinful, wonderful things were available to us. And uh, I ended up running a call centre after a little while, as you do, because people pay you money and eventually you get stuck doing that thing repeatedly. And uh, Dom came in one day and was... uh, Uh, we employed her as an interviewer to be a French interviewer in the call centre. And we, you know, I guess we kind of, you know, looked at each other a few times (laughs) around that thing. And then eventually, uh, I think I asked her out eventually. After a few months, uh, moved in together. When did you meet her family? Um, So I think I came with her probably like two or three months after we first got together. You know, it's not like just sort of, you know, meeting someone quickly for you know, dinner or something where you're going to escape again. You're going to be staying with them for a week. And that's quite a, uh, that's quite a sort of jump, you know, sort of zero to a million (laughs) in terms of family. Going to visit meant going to the south of France to a small coastal town called Saint-Mandrier-sur-Mar. I know I'm butchering it, but I love saying that. Dom's dad, Jean, still lives in this peaceful place and has a very mellow life. So I'm not surprised that he had such a hard time figuring out how to record himself with an iPhone. Which I found out when Dom and I Skyped him on a lazy Saturday afternoon. Okay, t'es sûr, hein, tu vois les minutes qui défilent? Euh... Là, écoute, je les vois, chérie. Ouais, ouais, je les vois, je les vois, y'a pas de problème. C'est diabolique. <laughs> les secondes. <laughs> Allez, c'est bon. On arrête, on arrête, on est sérieux. Allez, c'est bon. Jean had a sense of adventure early. He was in the Navy and ended up in this coastal town because of early idols like the author Georges Blonde, who wrote books like The Great Adventures of the Whales. After the Navy and in the early 70s, Jean settled in Saint-Mandrier-sur-Mar and hasn't left since. Jean's town sounds like it's from a fable. C'est une presqu'île, Saint-Mandrier, c'est pas... Saint-Mandrier is a peninsula that very few people go to unless it's summertime. There are three beaches in Saint-Mandrier that overlook the Toulon Harbour, which is one of the most beautiful harbors in Europe. It's the place where I first lived alone in my life, where I had kids and watched them grow up, diving into the Mediterranean and looking for sea urchins and fish when they were small. And it just really suits me. Jean and his wife raised three daughters in this picturesque town. I asked what would I expect if I was coming to date his daughter. I have a fine collection of old shoes and I will turn around and throw them at any man heading towards my house. But I kept throwing shoes and they kept coming to my house and the girls went with them anyway. He's joking, I think. I had a huge level of anxiety. They'd already been through, you know, two other sisters' worth of boyfriends coming back and things. What's your memory of actually meeting him? 
it was probably a bit fumbled kind of thing that he went in just to like kiss the cheek and I was like you know I'm not entirely sure how you're supposed to do this you know do I make contact you know will there be tongues <laughs> the moment I met John was the first time I'd ever seen him I remember it like it was yesterday. It was at the bay, he came from England, from London, and we lived in a house about 15 meters away from the beach. He thought it was beautiful. He looked around him and said, It's so nice. I met them at their house, um, and it had a little front courtyard garden kind of thing, which was very nice, with a little table, you know, and there was already beers on it ready to go, and like snacks and stuff. We had a drink with pasties and some peanuts. We called them monkey nuts. And that stuck with me. So we, we ended up, you know, with the aid of beer and probably wine afterwards and then probably whiskey, being able to have a pretty good conversation. And voila, the initial meeting with the dad was done. So it was basically every time there was a um, a vacation time, we would go down to France and we would spend like, you know, longer vacations there in the summer and um, the summer things kind of grew and grew and grew. It was quite nice. And with each of these trips, John and Jean would have a toast that became more and more extended. So before anything happens, there's a drink, there's an aperitif. Ah ben, ce sera, moi je dirais, c'est le pastis Jeannot. Voilà. There's like, you know, loads of snacks on the table and like before you get anywhere close to eating, you're very happily somewhat drunk. It would be olives, peanuts and tapenade. Olive puree with a bit of anchovy. Like today we have fresh calamari with fresh lemon, olive oil and parsley. It's really great eating. And then after that, you know, with, with the food, there would obviously be as much wine as anyone needed. You know, my only French at the time was real, like, schoolboy French that, you know, I probably hadn't actually attempted to speak any French in 10 years at that time. And the French that I was possibly going to, you know, regale them with was all about, like, you know, going camping in France and stuff and opening cans. And I guess I spoke what French I could. He spoke what English he could. I mean, he can... You can do a mean version of Oh My Darling Clementine. Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling Clementine, you are lost and gone forever. Dreadful story, Clementine. Voilà, c'est là je la connais. L'autre, je me rappelais plus So we just went with whatever we'd half forgotten and just like managed to glue it together with wine somehow. <laughs> paste over these linguistic cracks. But I think like, you know, we both, I guess you identify shared interests very, very quickly. And, like, you know, he was like, he's a bit of a poet and he's um, very into music. And he's very into Jacques Brel. He's a, a Belgian artist who was uh, sort of active, like, 50s through to the 80s. And he's kind of like an absolute god in France. You know, it's like basically all his stuff is like immensely poetic and like, you know, it's very dramatic kind of music. And uh, 
the, you know, the French really, you know, he's like, he is a god to them, basically. So I had those and probably had them on my, you know, early iPod that held like, you know, 250 songs or whatever. So we got to play music to each other and he's like, oh, well, and like, we liked certain things and, you know, things grow out of that, I guess, you know. It's, it's culture that sort of gets you there, isn't it, a lot of the time. Can you sing a little Jacques Perel? Sur le port d'Amsterdam, il y a des marins qui pleurent comme des oriflammes. Dans le port d'Amsterdam, il y a des marins comme des oriflammes. Everyone else had gone to bed and we'd still be up. And he'd find another bottle of fantastic rum that he had or something and off we go and we'd just carry on talking and... Uh, I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a recording of those conversations and I'm sure they would be like entirely nonsensical. We're probably both pretending that we understood what the other person was saying for like 90%. Of it. <laughs> but they were convivial and friendly and, you know, warm and it was a good place to be sitting out in the, you know, in the yard, you know, on a warm night in France by the Mediterranean. It's not tough. <laughs> full, of, full of good booze. It just became, you know, it became warmer and closer. Was the breakup sudden or was it a long, or was it, it feel like it a long time ago? It took a while. I think we, to some extent, we'd sort of like grown apart and things had just kind of gone off in different directions in our heads. When we split up, I think um, there was kind of like, there was a natural period of like that happening you know i don't think it was a kind of like we need to put some space between each other i think we probably just wanted some space between each other and both took some space she helped me through my last breakup and it was the first relationship that i had where her dad in particular i i didn't realize how uh, until it was at the time i appreciated it and when it was done i was like I lost a father. Yeah, yeah, That's the way I felt. Um, he was so protective of me and paternal. Yeah. So anyway, when he, when the relationship ended, it was painful. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah. same, same thing. Like, it was just like, oh man, yeah. this sucks. Yeah. But uh, I didn't realize the mourning of the family loss, but specifically yeah, yeah. with, with losing that relationship and that frequency of communication with yeah. this man in my life. I'm wondering if any of anything similar happened to you in, in your head. It's painful when something that's lasted a long time, which featured a lot of love, goes away. Or when it dies or whatever, you know, there is a, there's a mourning or whatever that goes with that, isn't there? Do you, in the past, and, you know, and then leading up the, you know, past the point of breakup, is he somebody that you have gone to for advice? You know, the only, the only sort of time that's really worked Anything like that was actually the opposite way around, and it was when Dom's mother died. It was a bizarre time. I was bizarre myself. It took me a while to bounce back. I've always been someone who can move forward. It's unintentional. So I recovered, little by little. Ouais. 
It's very difficult for us. Hmm. Respire un bon coup, ma chérie. Allez, on y est. Respire un bon coup. Tu t'appelles Dominique Mas. Parle. Ah, c'est dur, j'aurais pas dû dire ça. Hein. Non, c'est à s'offrir en partage au jour du grand voyage qu'est notre grand amour quand on a que l'amour you know i went down there for the funeral and stayed with the family for a week or two i think i got in touch with dom and said do you think it would be weird if i just like went and stayed with your dad and that was the first time i ever actually just did that and i just sort of said you know just stop me if this is old kind of thing but I want to be there for that person. I want to be able to support them. And like, do you think I would be able to? Would I, would I be any use kind of thing going down there and doing that? And Dom said, yeah. So I did. I just went and stayed with Jean. You know, and that's after the nine-year relationship with Dom. That was the first time that just he and I had been there because of he and I, not because of anybody else. You know, you're still my friend. And that's important. Again, All of that was in crap French <laughs> with wine and a shared love of Jacques Brel by this point. But it was important and it was an important time. What I remember about John was after your breakup. He was still honest and nice, still part of our family, our home. The rhythms were the same. It had been years since John and Jean sat together, but the late-night digestif, bowls of monkey nuts, which are just peanuts, and hours of Jacques Brel came back like no time had passed. I was just living in his house with him as family, you know, cooking meals, you know, so that he didn't have to, and um, it maybe made me more, you know, empathic or um, sympathetic to the idea that It was a bad idea to have been someone in someone's life and then to suddenly just evaporate. It, you know, it would have felt bad for me. I mean, I, you know, it makes it sound like I was doing it for some sort of like, you know, like heroic reason. But to a large extent, it was because those are people that I love who are in my family. And just because one part of that family has become sort of dysfunctional to the point where it's not a romantic relationship anymore and has turned into, over time, you know, a pretty good friendship... That doesn't mean that all of those people should, you know, share in the pain. I expected to find a word for what Jean and John have, for what I wanted with Bill, for what I expect a lot of men would like to have with someone they've befriended. I honestly expected a word in French. There always seems to be a word in French for pairings we want to explain in English. When I started working on this episode, I posted a question online asking, What would you call a man who befriends or maintains a friendship with the father of his ex? 
And people really went after this idea. Weirdo, creep, stalker. There is no word. And I continue to find that there is such unease with men connecting. We don't, as a society, have a title for that role of someone who is a friend of the family, but a member of the family. We don't have granular enough definitions of like people's relationships to say, you know, we, we, we sort of like laughingly say, oh, he's part of the family or something like that. But it doesn't really mean, you know, it doesn't capture the depth of what that is being part of the family. It, you know, it can be used in a throwaway thing as like someone who just turns up a lot as opposed to like, a, you know, someone who does share a depth of feeling and a depth of experience with a group of people to the point where they are as close as blood relations. I mean, I guess it's like, I guess adopted son or something like that would be the closest thing, but then that implies some sort of level of, uh, you know, paperwork that would be required to get there. <laughs> and there wasn't any of that. <laughs> Even though there's no French word for what this is, there is a French song. And Dom was delighted to share this song with me called Mass Off by an indie French rock group called Cavalis Underground. The song is about Jean. Cavallis Underground is a local group. According to local lore, Dom's dad leads the X Club. They wrote a song where they say that I'm very proud of my three Lyonnaises and that my club of exes treats me well. It's not true that I have a club of exes. It's true that I have three Lyonnaises of which I'm extremely proud. Because I have daughters, I will brag a little. But because I have daughters who are intelligent, they fell for men who themselves were intelligent. Now, when we're all together, we are a big family with the exes and the wives of the exes. The ex club. Maybe that's what I'll call it. Voici les Français. Bonjour, ça va? J'ai un microphone ici. Regarde. Come say hi. Come say hi. You out of here? You gonna say bonjour? Say bonjour, ça va? This episode was produced and hosted by Mark Pagan. The lead producer is Caitlin May Burke, and our associate producers are Ben Goldberg and Rebecca Seidel, with support from IFP. Editing and engineering done by Rebecca, Ben, and Mark. Special thanks to Ali Deleanis, John, Jean, and Dominique Mass. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, adios. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye.
and special thanks to Mark Sturm for his translation. This is Mark Pagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need to Put Her There, Partner! So you're dating my little girl! Woohoo! Come to Mattress Discounters! Yeah! Get a mattress on us! We got the biggest mattress warehouse, that's right! Oh, if you dating my little girl, you better be! Ooh! Not to be the party pooper read you need to do it again. <laughs>